Welcome to BSD Talk number 113. It's Wednesday, May 23rd, 2007. The following interview was actually recorded at BSD Can in Ottawa, Canada a few days ago, so the date mentioned in the interview is a little different than today. I do want to say that BSD Can was wonderful. It was really great to meet everybody, to hang out, learn a lot of cool stuff, and I thought it was a great city and a great event. So, Really, I just appreciate everything that Dan has done to make such a wonderful event. I look forward to seeing everyone there next year. All right, now for the interview. Okay, so this will be BSD Talk number 113. We're still at BSD Can in Ottawa, Canada, and it's Saturday, May 19th, 2007. Today I'm speaking with author Joseph Kong. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks. And thanks for taking the time to, to speak with me here today in between uh, a couple lectures and lunch. Essentially, yes, we're missing our free lunch. Yes, but hopefully uh, we'll, we'll be able to get in there for some of it. I wanted to talk to you today about the book that you recently published, and it's the FreeBSD Rootkit book. So maybe you could start, I guess before we start talking about the book, just introduce yourself and what you currently do and how you got interested in writing a book. Okay, my name is Joseph Kong. I like low-level systems programming, so of a low-level systems programming, your choices are pretty much either system building or device driver writing, but then somehow I got into security, so that sort of branched into like exploit development or uh, reverse code engineering, but I still like systems programming, so that sort of becomes rootkits, right? That's the natural flow of things. If you go from exploits to systems programming, you get into rootkits. What do I do currently? Uh, I just graduated, so I'm looking for a job. So that counts as what I'm doing. <laughs> Aside from that, I'm completely self-taught. Uh, I went to the U of T, but uh, I took industrial engineering, so I have no computer science, computer engineering background. Uh, that's okay, because it's my hobby, so I studied on my own. The book actually came from my notes. I was screwing around with BSD rootkits for fun, just uh, at home, you know. And I had about 40 pages of chicken scratches, a bunch of random notes. And I know myself, if I don't record them into some sort of legible format, I'll forget in a couple of months, and then I'll have no idea how I did anything. And then people will ask me, hey, didn't you say you could do this? And they're like, yeah, but I don't remember how to do it. So that's actually how the book started. And then because I did all that research, I couldn't find that information on the net. Like I would look around, but it was sort of outdated, or it's old, or it doesn't work, or the wording is a little off. Just not something I, was, I wanted to read, so I figured maybe somebody else would want to read it. So I proposed the book from my notes, and that's pretty much how it started. And so who actually helped you with the editing of the book and picked it up for publication? Well, actually, my plan was I would send one book proposal each week, because I'm kind of lazy. But uh, I sent one proposal to No Starch, which is like a small independent computer book publisher. I actually like a lot of their titles, so I sent them first. And the uh, president or CEO or whatever you want to call him, founder of the Big Fish, uh, Bill Pollack, he, he responded the very next day and said, yeah, I'm interested. So I didn't write any more proposals after that. <laughs> um, him, his, and then he has, his, he has a whole team of people there. So him, uh, Elizabeth Campbell, she's my production editor, Megan Duncheck, I, I hope that's how you pronounce her last name. She was my 
copy editor. Uh, I had a proofreader, Riley Hoffman, and then I had a technical reviewer, John Baldwin of FreeBSD, FreeBSD core developer. So I had about five sets of eyes go over the whole book, which I think really had improved the qualities. And how was the process of authoring a book compared to your expectations of what it would be like? It was a lot harder than I thought. Uh, originally, when I wrote the book, I was like, ah, I'll bang it out in six months. But uh, a year later, I was like, I can't believe I'm still writing this. <laughs> and also, like, I guess because I didn't have like someone at John's level audit my code before, so I would send him my code, and he, he would tell me things like, that doesn't really work, or you forgot to check this case, or you know if you run it under these types of systems, under these constraints, it'll blow the system. Like, no, I didn't know that. So I had to go back and rewrite a lot of my code, because when I started writing the book, I already had all the code. But then I had to rewrite the code and fix it up. And then I already written the chapter with that old crappy code. So then it's like, ah, damn it. And then you had to tear out the old chapter, right? So there's a lot of revision. And then I'm also a bit of a perfectionist and I'm picky. So even when my editor said, hey, this is great. Let's, let's print it. I was like, ah, uh, let me rewrite it. So I would take it back <laughs> and I would rewrite it. And I actually had um, Elizabeth, she actually, well, she didn't sit me down, but she sent me a, an email. It was like, you got to stop tinkering with your manuscript or will never publish it. So. And who is your intended audience? My intended audience is basically anyone who is interested in sort of low-level systems programming and FreeBSD. Basically, I, I wanted to write a book that sort of showed like FreeBSD for, like, from underneath the hood, just, just so people get an idea. Like there's design implementation of the FreeBSD ARPing system by Kurt McCusick and George Neville Neal. And it's sort of a high-level overview, but mine was more like a low-level practical programmer overview. That's really what I wanted. I'm sure a common misconception about the subject of the book is that you're teaching children how to take down the Internet. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess, maybe. But that's not really... See, in order to load a rootkit, you need to have root anyways. So my book isn't about exploiting. It's just about interesting things you can do with the kernel. Like, in order to hide a writing process, the rootkit, you already have to have root access, so you must have already exploited something. So I left out exploitation in my book. I don't talk about how to, like, drop secure levels so you can load a, a kernel module, so you can load a rootkit. I, I just talk about designing rootkits. It's a very concentrated topic. And, and rootkit design is the same as system building. It's just the other side of the coin, right? You're, you're doing it offensively, but, you know, an unstable rootkit that brings down the system isn't very good, just like an unstable system in production isn't very good. So you got that same sort of idea. And I guess, you know, I, I've not only heard of rootkits being used for evil, but also system administrators using rootkits to hide their watching of other people on their system, you know, when they're, yeah. when they think there's a problem. Yeah, yeah, you, well, yeah, because like I said, rootkits, a rootkit is just a systems program. What you do with it is up to you, but at heart, all it does is it, it modifies the kernel or, or it extends the kernel in some way, shape, or form, and what you want to do with it is up to you, but... Yeah, it can be applied offensively, but you can use it defensively. In the book, do you give examples of you know one-button rootkits, or is it just a general overview and design? You know, does it end up with a, a tar file that you can download to install a rootkit on a system and hide running processes, or do you not give full examples? I have full examples, but they're trivial examples. So yeah, all my code is available for download at um, nostarch.com. But if you downloaded it and you ran, if you took my code and tried to do something malicious with it, I, you would get caught in a second. It's written so trivially that you can't really use it. For example, I have a keystroke logger, which will log your keystrokes. It, log, it can log login uh, keystrokes, so you can steal like the root password or user password stuff. 
but I dump, I don't dump the the keystrokes anywhere intelligent. I just dump them to the console, and I only log the keystrokes from like the terminal. So if you were using different apps, it won't log those keystrokes. So it, you can hide a running process. Like my example, I have an example that hides a running process, but I do it with a syscall. And if you add a syscall to the system, anyone can see it. So I guess it's well, I don't want to give it away, but mm. there is you could take my code and mold it a bit, and you, then you could actually write a program that could hide a running process, and itself would be hidden, and you couldn't find it, blah blah blah. But I don't show that. So there's not much danger that script kiddies will. No. do bad things with this book? Well, the idea is I don't actually think a script could read the book. <laughs> I was actually talking to uh, Colin Percival, you know, the uh, FreeBSD security officer, and he was telling me how he's amazed that he meets a lot of CompSci, CompN students, and they, they don't know about like certain data structures and algorithms and stuff. And in my book, I, I mention things like that, but I don't describe them. I, I just assume you already know it. So if you don't know it, you're, it's already kind of hazy for you. <laughs> And you also provide examples of detecting rootkits? My examples at, at the end of the book are how to detect everything I wrote. So I have my algorithm for hiding a running process, and then I show two algorithms on how to detect that specific algorithm. But say someone did something else, those detection algorithms wouldn't exactly work. It, it, those detection algorithms are really there for example purposes. So you can see how people try to do it, and you get an idea, but um, you could use them. And some of them are pro some of them are pretty good. I think like I have a very generic one for detecting hidden uh, running processes. But uh, yeah, the rootkit detection nowadays is very signature specific. It's like it's like antivirus software. You know, after someone sees how it works, then they write the signature. It, it's not very proactive, and a lot of that actually is OS design. Uh, the way we design operating systems nowadays, they're not so verifiable. I mean. To really detect a rootkit, you'd have to scan your entire OS and make sure it's clean, right? Because you don't know where the rootkit's hooking or patching or whatnot. So, yeah, you'd have to design like a 100% completely verifiable OS, and we don't do that. So, once <laughs> the rootkit's in, you, you're not going to find, unless it's a publicly available rootkit. If someone, you know, script kitties a rootkit off the net, sure, you can detect it because you know it. But if he writes his own homebrew rootkit using his own hooks and patches you've never heard about, you've never seen before, you're not going to find it. And I think that there's a lot of awareness with other versions of Unix or Windows around rootkits, but I don't see much out there, although I'm not following the, these trends closely. But it, it seems to me as though uh, there's not a lot of people thinking about these kinds of exploits against FreeBSD. Is that something that you've observed, that people assume that somehow FreeBSD is safe and happy? Okay, um, I might get in trouble for saying this, but... There's a couple rootkit detection tools, like generic rootkit detection tools for uh, Nix-based operating systems like FreeBSD and Linux. And like I, I commend those guys for writing those tools. Like you know, they take their spare time. It's short, they're doing it for the community, but they're kind of behind the curve. I guess that's the nice way of saying it. Anyone who knows anything about rootkits could write write around them. It's so easy. They're they're really. I don't know what it is with like rootkits came from Unix, right? But Unix rootkit detection tools suck. The Windows ones are way more advanced. The Unix ones are so far behind. Uh, and then there's some tools that all they do is they compare the output to like a PS and top, or they check NetSet against Sockset. But who's still trojaning like Sockset and NetSet? People are in the kernel now. They don't they don't need to trojan binaries. I don't know. Unix rootkit detection is kind of behind. But then again, I I think it's because you know Windows is it's a more popular OS. More people use it, so it, more people explore it. I mean, if if you wrote something for 
FreeBSD, the only people who would really know about it is the FreeBSD people. If you wrote something for Windows, you get a lot more coverage. So I guess more people do it that way. So if you were to write a second book, what additional topics might you cover? Uh, on this specific topic? Yeah. If I did a second edition, I'd probably just expand a lot. I have a lot more examples. For example, I have a keystroke logger in Chapter 2. And at the end of Chapter 2, I describe another way to do the keystroke logger. I'd probably just put that example in. Like, I would just describe it in full instead of leaving it a sort of an exercise. Yeah, just more examples. Also, nowadays, everyone always talks about, like, hardware-based rootkits and stuff. Like, you know, going on the PCI uh, card rootkits or BIOS rootkits, virtual machine monitor rootkits. They, they have all that, those hardware rootkits. So, yeah, I might do something like that. Uh, I'm not too sure, actually. That's the thing. I just banged out this book, so I don't really know what I would do if I had the opportunity to do the second edition. I would love to do the second edition, and, yeah, I would really like to expand a lot of the examples, basically. Uh, books I like to read are more to the practical programmer. So I like a lot of Stevens's uh, programming books because he shows lots of practical examples. I think people learn better that way by doing, by seeing examples. So I would definitely fill out with more examples. Is the future bright or bleak for security in the Unix world? Are we losing? <laughs> the thing about security is it's like some awkward arms race. You know, people, they come up with one attack and somebody figures out how to mitigate that one attack and somebody else comes with another attack. And it's just, it's back and forth and back and forth. For rootkit specifically, the arms race is in the attacker's hands because rootkit detection nowadays is always, we wait for the attacker and then we figure out how to defend that one attack. So it's not an arms race in rootkits, it's more like follow the leader. <laughs> but like I said, um, there's, there's talks about people writing verifiable OSs and stuff like that. And uh, for FreeBSD specifically, Robert Watson, he's, he's done the trusted BSD extensions and actually the uh, security event audit logging. I think that's really good. A lot of people talk about proactive security versus reactive security, like preventative measures. But the thing is, there's no such thing as 100% uh, preventative measures. If someone's going to find a way around it, but dumb, like, logging everything, like an IDS, that always works. It's, just, it's, a, it's so basic. It's so, you know, simple and stupid. It'll always, you can collect enough data, and then you can analyze and see what's wrong. You can find out how they got in. So, uh, in security in general, I'm actually a big fan of uh, reactive security, I guess it's called, yeah. Although, I, like I said, prevention is good, too, but... I, I know prevention doesn't always work, and, but detection is sort of it's so basic. Mm -hmm. Well, then, thank you very much for taking the time to speak with me. Uh, thanks a lot, actually. All right. If you'd like to leave comments on the website or reach the show archives, you can find them at bsdtalk.blogspot.com. And if you'd like to send me an email, you can reach me at bitgeist at yahoo.com. That's B-I-T-G-E-I-S-T at yahoo.com. Thank you for listening. This has been BSD Talk, number 113.